Good to see everyone this morning. At least somebody knows my name, huh? When you get my age, you can't sometimes remember your name, so that's a good thing. I do want to say I appreciate everyone's prayers. Um, some of you might not know, but my mother finally did pass away this Monday, and uh, so I do just appreciate the support and prayers throughout this whole time of the congregation. So I want to personally thank you for that, and uh, we'll have a service up in uh, Minneapolis in a couple weeks. Uh, her body's right now in California. She'll be cremated, and California has a whole raft of laws that I never knew about, and then we'll eventually get her ashes up to a crypt in Minneapolis. So I appreciate your prayers, and my wife is not here also this morning, and you know I found it kind of ironic as one passes away. She's in Pittsburgh. My my middle daughter is in labor, and uh, soon to have a birth of a son. So in one week, it looks like one passes and one comes into this world. Hmm? Well, there was this husband, and he said to his wife one day, every time I yell at you, you never fight back. How do you manage your anger? And the wife said, I scrubbed the toilet. The husband was somewhat confused, and he said, well, how does that help you in your anger? And the wife said, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) Guess that's kind of one way to deal with your anger, isn't it? This morning we're going to continue our study in the book of Proverbs. And we've been talking about the important subject of anger. Anger is a real problem, as we have seen in, in so many of our lives. And I want to take a biblical look at how we are to actually handle our anger as we move towards communion this morning. Lord, I do love humor. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just laugh at ourselves. But, Lord, as we move towards and finishing up the subject of anger, I just ask, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, that you would come in a powerful way. And we're going to then move into communion, and that can be such an incredibly healing time. And so I just ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head so that I would truly speak your words. And I just ask that you would give us as a congregation soft hearts, to receive your word, ears to hear your word. Because when we take your word and we apply it to our lives, we really begin to experience freedom. So I ask now that you will have your way in these next several minutes. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Skip, can you play the video? Watch this video closely now. So a final experiment that I want to mention to you is our fairness study. Uh, and so this, this, this became a very famous study, and there's now many more, because after we did this about 10 years ago, uh, it became uh, very well known. And we did that originally with capuchin monkeys, and I'm going to show you the first experiment that we did. It has now been done with dogs, and with birds, and with chimpanzees, uh, with, but with Sarah Brosnan, we started out with capuchin monkeys. So what we did is we put two capuchin monkeys side by side. Again, these animals, they live in a group. They know each other. We take them out of the group, put them in a test chamber. And there's a very simple task that they need to do. And if you give both of them cucumber for the task, the two monkeys side by side, they're perfectly willing to do this 25 times in a row. So cucumber, even though it's really only water in my opinion, but cucumber (laughs) is perfectly fine for them. Now, if you give the partner grapes... The food preferences of my capuchin monkeys correspond exactly with the prices in the supermarket. And so if you give them grapes, it's a far better food, uh, then you create inequity between them. So that's the experiment we did. 
Recently, we videotaped it with new monkeys who had never done the task, thinking that maybe they would have a stronger reaction, and that turned out to be right. The one on the left is the monkey who gets cucumber. The one on the right is the one who gets grapes. The one who gets cucumber, note that the first piece of cucumber is perfectly fine. The first piece she eats. Uh, then she sees the other one getting grape, and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us. That's the task. And we give her a piece of cucumber, and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. The other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now. Gets again cucumber. tests the rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. <laughs> so this is basically the Wall Street protest that you see here. Maybe we did evolve from monkeys. I don't know after seeing that, huh? But uh, as we've seen, anger is a huge problem. Anger is a huge problem in probably most of our lives that are here. And, and the question has to be this, what do I do with my anger? What do I do with my anger? So many of us, it's, it's kind of revenge. Revenge is an option. In fact, a well-known personality once said, when someone offends me, when someone hurts me, I don't get angry, I just get even. You know, many of us, though, when we get angry, we do fight back. You know, there was this actor, and he was playing the part of Jesus in the Passion Play. And at one point, he was carrying the cross up the hill, and there was this tourist who was watching, and he began to heckle him. He began to taunt him. He was shouting all kinds of ins, you know, just insults at this actor who was carrying the cross. And finally, he, the actor just had all that he could take, and he throws the cross down. He walks over to the tourist, and he punches him in the face. After the play was over, the director said to him, I know the guy was a pest, but I can't condone what you did. After all, you're playing the part of Jesus. Jesus never retaliated, so don't go doing it again. And the actor promised that he would try to manage his anger better the next day. And sure enough, the next day, there was that same tourist. He began heckling. You know, he began taunting, shouting insults. I mean, he was worse than the day before. And the actor held out a little longer than he did the first day. But finally, he had had enough. And he throws the cross down again. He goes up to the tourist, and he just punches his lights out. And the director said, that's it. I'm going to have to fire you. We can't have Jesus punching people out. The actor begged, please, please, I really need this job. Please just give me a second chance. I promise I'm going to manage my anger a little bit better. And the director said, I'll give you one more chance. And he does. And the next day, sure enough, the actor is carrying the cross, you know, uh, up the hill, and there's that same tourist. And 
He begins taunting him again. And I mean, he's just laying it on thick. He's really giving it to him. And the actor, you can see, he's really attempting to manage his anger. He's, he's gritting his teeth and he's clenching his fist and he's doing everything he can to manage his anger. But finally, he just can't take it anymore. And he puts the cross down and he walks over to the tourist and he points to him and he says, I'll meet you after the resurrection. <laughs> you know, Think about it. When we're angry, when I'm angry, it's hard not to fight back, isn't it? But it's interesting. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' half-brother, James, he said these penetrating words in chapter 1 and verse 20. Human anger, fleshly anger, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I don't know about you, but that just really got me. Human anger, fleshly anger, carnal anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And the reality is, all too often, our anger is human anger, isn't it? It's fleshly anger. We've talked about this. Maybe a goal's blocked. Someone keeps me from getting what I want. Or maybe someone offends me. They say something that's hurtful. Sometimes we haven't really discussed this too much, but our anger really isn't anger, but it's fear. Do you know that a lot of men's Anger is really just fear, but, you know, we we live in a society where you can't show weakness as a man, and so the only way a man can express his fear is through anger. So the question becomes, how can I deal in a constructive way with my anger? And I kind of want to begin to talk about this as we move towards communion. And I I need to give you the world's ways first, because I want you to see the difference between the world and just the superiority of God and the Word of God. But, you know, the, the world has numerous ways to try to help you to cope with your anger. They call it anger management. In fact, several years ago, there were two German entrepreneurs, and they came up with a very interesting way to help you deal with your anger. They came up with the swearing hotline. The swearing hotline. That's right. For $2, you can just vent your frustration out to a paid operator. Now, these operators, you know, they're not exactly passive. They do not tolerate lackluster, milk-toasty yelling and screaming and swearing. In fact, they will actually provoke the, call, the, the caller, you know, with kind of rude comments like, that is the third time I've heard that today. Is that the best you can do? And, you know, they try to really give it and get, and get the, you know, the caller just to get all that anger out. And one of the founders of the Swearing Hotline in an interview said this, we don't judge people who are angry. Anger just happens. It's natural. With us, you can blow off steam with no strings attached. For getting everything off your chest, our service is an incredible bargain. You know, maybe it is. I don't know. But really, how practical is that? Can you imagine tomorrow you're at your place of work and your boss is kind of reaming you out and you're really getting angry and you say, whoa, 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 got to make a phone call before I say anything stupid. You think that's going to work and call the anger hotline? You know, just didn't seem very practical to me. And as I was reading about how the world deals with its anger, another technique in most of us, if you had any anger management classes, anybody? Well, I won't make you just raise your hand on that one. But, you know, one of the anger management techniques of the world is to count to ten. You ever done that? One, two, three. Now, can, now, see, I, again, I'm looking at the practicality of this thing. You know, how well is that going to work? You're in the heat of the battle with somebody, and you suddenly start counting one, two, 
three. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it might work. I don't know. Another one that was interesting was you're getting angry now. Imagine you're getting angry with somebody. You're, you're, you know, you're having this con- you know, conversation, and they said you should start breathing deeply from your diaphragm. So here you are, you know, imagine how practical this is, you know, I, I don't know, so you're, you're getting angry, you just go, <gasps> now again, you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought, how practical is that? Can you imagine Susan and I, we're, we're, we're kind of getting in an argument, and I suddenly start going, <gasps> and I was thinking, you know, would that work? And I was thinking, yeah, it just might work. We'd start cracking up, you know, if I just started doing that, maybe, maybe it has some merit. I don't know, you know. Uh, and then there, there's another kind of interesting um, anger management technique, and that is if you find yourself getting angry, you just start saying, relax. So here you are, you're getting in an argument with your spouse, and just go, relax, relax. I don't know, I thought that was kind of corny. But here's my favorite one, all right? Now, this, this one I actually kind of liked. And, and, and what you do is you get a doll, okay? And the doll is supposed to represent someone who's making you really angry, all right? So imagine, you know, you're really angry at someone. You get a doll, and then you start sticking pins in the doll. And you keep sticking the pins in the doll until, you know, your anger has subsided. So, Skip, can you put up the picture? That is my doll of Jeff. No, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was bad. That was bad. Now, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I look at this and I say, no, what, is that the best? Is that the best the world can do when it comes to anger? I don't know about you, but those are pretty superficial ways to deal with anger. And as we move towards communion, I want to show you the superiority of God and the Word of God and how the Bible tells us to deal with anger. I'm going to give you three very significant scriptures, all right, to deal with your anger. The first one is found in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. And the Apostle Paul writes these words. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. You know what Paul is just saying there? Knock it off. Stop. How many here would claim to be born again? I'm asking you to raise your hands. Don't be bashful. How many here? What is this? It's like, are you partially pregnant? I mean, you know, be, be proud of it. But, but here's the deal. What Paul is saying, if you are truly born again, and you're going to see me sailing in the next couple of weeks now. If you are truly born again, then Paul is saying that you have the ability to say no. So imagine anger is rising up in you. you. You're losing control. You can just say no. Now, I, I, I know, you know, come on, you got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Because you see, if you're truly born again, then that means you have a new nature and you have the Holy Spirit. That means you have a new nature and you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You have the very power of the universe within you. So here you are. You're getting angry. You you can feel yourself getting angry. I I, I mean, this happens to me. I'm, I'm great at anger. If my wife was here, she would tell you that. So it's rising up. I'm losing control. And I can say, if if you're born again, no, no. Flesh, you will not get the best of me right now. And you know what happens the moment I do it? 
The Holy Spirit is released then within me. And you know what the Holy Spirit releases? Self-control. Self-control. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. These are verses that you really should have memorized. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So again, remember, if you're born again, if you're born again, then you have the Spirit of God in you. So the question is, are you allowing the Spirit of God to control you? Because when the Spirit of God is controlling you, notice fruit singular, and he releases nine aspects, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and, and, so, so here it is. See, this is how it works practically. You feel yourself getting angry. You're going to leave here, and someone's going to cut you off in the parking lot, okay? See, see somebody's head, okay. You're, you're going to be cut off in the parking lot, so what are you going to do? You, you, you feel the anger rising. This is real stuff. You say, no. No, you talk to your flesh and say, no. No flesh, you will not control me. You know what happens? That's my part. That is your part. You must do that in faith. Because, go back to Colossians 3, 3, 8. You can say, no. And the moment you begin to say, no, guess what? The Holy Spirit of God is released in you. That's God's part. My part is to believe what he says and do it. The Holy Spirit, then I activate the Spirit of God within me, and within moments, I'm beginning to experience self-control. Isn't that something? It's very practical. Now, sometimes our anger, as I have said, is due to that we're offended. You ever been offended? Someone ever say something to you that just hurt you? Sure you have. Husbands and wives. Husbands and wives do it all the time. You know what's sad to me about husbands and wives? They've done studies on this. Do you know that the average husband and wife stops kissing on the lips between year five and seven? You know why? Do you remember when you were dating? You were all over the lips. No, besides other stuff, but I won't get into that. But by year five or seven, it's on the cheek. Why? Why? Well, <laughs> way too much here. All right. Why? Because it's from the mouth, our words, that we hurt one another. And we're not even conscious of it. And we're not kissing one another on the lips anymore. So sure, we've been offended. So what do I do when I'm offended? You know, when we're offended, I want my pound of flesh. And guess what? That's only going to make it worse. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Man, you know you know what Paul's saying there? Someone offends me. What it's saying here is that God is a better judge. He can mete out justice far better than I can or you can. Do you believe that? No, do you believe it? Because, see, when I act out, 
When I get my pound of flesh, I'm saying I don't believe the word of God. See, there, there needs to be repentance going on. See, I think too often I'm smarter than God. I can mete out justice better, so I'm going to deliver it. And you're going to make it worse. It says here, so the first thing I do, when Susan makes me angry, you make me angry, someone makes me angry, I say, Lord, you know what? See, I'm, this is what it means to take the word of God and make it live. I say, here's what your scripture says in Romans chapter 12. So this person has made me hate. I'm giving you them. I'm giving you this situation. I'm trusting that you're going to mete out the justice better than I ever could. That's the passive thing I need to do. Now, you know what else it says there? Now, listen, look what it says. It says, then I need to bless them. Can you imagine? Someone has hurt you. They've offended you. Not only do I need to turn them over to God, but I need to do good. Are you kidding me? I need to do good. The Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible. It is a... I didn't hear that. It is supernatural life. Do not kid yourself. This takes the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, why is it necessary to bless the person who has hurt you, offended you? I'll tell you why. Because, see, you box Satan out of your life and the situation you find yourself in. You box Satan out of your life and the situation that you find yourself in. Do you remember what Jesus did on the cross? We're coming up to Good Friday. One of the most important incredible saying is here he is he's hanging from the cross there are the roman soldiers and the pharisees and the sadducees and they're the ones that crucified him and he says father forgive them for they know not what they do now see we 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 think that's the heart of christianity forgiveness no no the heart of christianity is reconciliation the forgiveness just paves the way for reconciliation. See, Jesus, when he said that, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he was just making the way that you, the Roman soldier, the Pharisee, the Sadducee, could come back to God. And you say, see, when I do good, how does the person who's offended me know that I've forgiven them? Unless I bless them in some way, tell them. But see, when I do something good for them, I'm showing that I have really forgiven them. And guess what it paves the way for? reconciliation. See, that's the heart of Christianity. Not to, to forgive. Because I, well, I forgive so-and-so, but it's a cold day in hell before I'll speak to him. Well, you haven't forgiven him either. I dare you to go bless him now. Not going to happen. But see, when I bless that person who's offended me, when I do good, I pave the way for reconciliation. Well, finally, we've got to move on to communion. Let me give you the third scripture. You know, I said sometimes, maybe even a lot, our our anger really is fear. Anybody here have worries this morning that won't admit it? Fear, anxiety. You sinner! Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Why, Frank, are you anxious? Why are you in fear about anything? but rather in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I live 
by these two verses. Because, you know, my dad who died three years ago, man, I, I, I don't know what you think about generational sins, but, man, he worried. He lived in fear. And as he got older, he couldn't control it, and he was just on all these meds. It was really sad. Just couldn't control it. So, you know, I kind of grew up with that. And this verse has been life-giving to me. The moment I begin to experience, I get anxious or fearful. You know what I do? I just say this verse. I say, Lord, it says, do not worry, Frank. Why are you worried? And do you see the supplication? It means to really plead. Lord, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this situation that I'm terrified. Maybe, maybe tomorrow you're going to go to work. You've got to make a presentation before. And there's a lot riding on it. You're, you're really afraid. See, now you can take it and you can worry. You can worry and you can be fearful and be stupid. Or you can say, Lord, here it is. Now you're giving up control. I get that. That's the beauty of this thing. You're giving up control. And you say, well, why thank God? You're not thanking him because he's going to answer it the way you want. You know why you're thanking him? Because he's going to answer it the right way. This is, he's going to answer it in a way that glorifies him and advances his kingdom. But do you see what happens? When you really do that, it says then you experience shalom. Oh, I, I don't know about you, but when I do it and I begin to, it, literally the Holy Spirit produces love, Joy. See, the Holy Spirit is the gift of life. It's the greatest gift you can have if you read Luke chapter 11. Every problem you have, the Holy Spirit can solve it. Love. It's either got to do with loving, it's got to do with joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Oh, that's being released in your life. It's a beautiful, beautiful I challenge you to put these three scriptures into practice. It's life-changing. Father, as we move towards communion, I just pray that, I, I just wish, I, I ask that you begin to breathe a faith within us that we haven't had in a long, long time. What a superiority to the world here. They just give superficiality. You give real answers. I pray that we'll begin to experience real victory now in our lives in the area of anger. Now have your way as we move towards communion. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our Statement of Faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. 
That's B-C-C-D-E-L-M-A-R.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.